the phoenix must burn to emerge. Janet Fitch. Bending Not Breaking, Episode 17, The Northern Air Temple. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking, this one being Episode 17, the Northern Air Temple, and we're looking at it through a lens of... Rebirth. Rebirth. I am Sunshine Mayfield. And this is Ben Pruitt. And we're back again. Oh, I'm excited. We, to fo- just transparency for everyone, we backlogged 16 episodes a few months ago, um, and now we realize we ran out of time and we need to record another one. I wanted to record it back then, but Sunshine was like, oh, we have time. Well, we do, and we're still on pace. We're going to have an episode out... Uh, on time this time so we're excited about that also new discovery all of these episodes guess where they're at where are they they're on spotify yes they are everything by the arc of e the movie arc the tv arc uh the music arc uh the vespers project which is your other podcast it is my other podcast are all on spotify now that's right had a lot of requests for everything to be on spotify made it work and made it happen and now so it shall be so here's what you do you get on spotify because that's likely what you're listening to music and podcast on anyways you follow the tv arc so you can listen to all the episodes of Bending Not Breaking. You follow the Vespers Project. And then just for funsies, you follow the music and movie arc as well. Just for funsies. Just for funsies. But back to what we're doing, Bending Not Breaking. Let's talk more about the Avatar. We've got the Northern Air Temple. And we're looking at this episode through Rebirth. That's right. Talk to, what is what is Rebirth? Whoa, 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 whoa. What is Rebirth? Whoa, 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 whoa. Before we even touch that, you I think we need to go through... Our descending word recap. It's your turn. It is my turn. So you've got four, four words. words to summarize this entire episode. And another fun fact, we're changing up our uh, kind of structure to Just these episodes because we wanted to get a little, we got a little bit of feedback from our viewers like you, our listeners like you. You don't watch a podcast. Yeah, that'd be weird. And so we're going to try some of that out before we get to our second season of Bending, not breaking. And the second season's only possible because people like you have gone to Patreon and have subscribed to our the Arc of E Patreon page. So go to patreon.com backslash the Arc of E and help support us that way so we can keep creating content like this. Because we like doing it. We really do. Really have a lot of fun. So descending word recap. Ben Pruitt, you've got four words. Four words. And the title of this episode is Four Words. So I can't use those? So you can't, you shouldn't use those. Okay. You ready? Yes. On your mark. Get set. Go. Fire Nation gains balloon. Yeah, you really just went with the ending there. Yeah. But I don't know how else you would have... The long plot here is them getting a balloon makes a big difference. So I'm going to just go ahead and say that this is a big turning point in terms of the Fire Nation army moving forward so fire nation gets balloon gains balloon. gains balloon yes all right if you got a better forward recap for this episode of the northern air temple send it to us via twitter or gmail or wherever else you want to talk to us about it but um ultimately yeah a lot of things happen we normally go and recap this like 
scene by scene. We're not going to do that anymore. Whoa. Because you watched it, likely. You don't need to and if you did give you the play-by-play. I'm just curious why you're listening, but I'm glad you're here. I, but I'm still curious. So let's talk about this. So through this specific episode, why Rebirth? Well, let's talk about Rebirth in general, right? The whole Avatar cycle is all about Rebirth, right? Yes, and so absolutely. This episode gives us a chance to look at Rebirth through kind of a literal lens in terms of the Avatar, but also it gives us a chance to kind of look at rebirth in terms of how like structures and buildings and thoughts are reborn. What are the things that are reborn in us? And I think there's a lot of that in this episode. And I think that's a really cool uh, concept for us to dive into. Because there's a lot of, this is why I did these things, or I'm learning new things as I go along. Or, or like, this is how it was I, before, and this is how it is now. Right, and changing mindsets from, from one time to another, almost as a, if you're thought processes are being reborn or, or added onto or growing. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So rebirth, and you had a quote about a phoenix, which is almost more literal when it comes to rebirth, right? Yeah, must burn in order to emerge from the ashes. Was there a reason specific, was just because of its kind of connection with rebirth? Is that why you chose that quote or was there more to it than that? Well, I think there's a lot to it, frankly. I mean, if you think of all the the literal, as in um, literary, rather, uh, connotations of a phoenix rising, it's it's rebirth is a, is the concept. And so the whole concept is it has to burn it and die and then reemerge better than it was before. And so... I think that it's interesting because in this situation what we have is the avatar cycle is learning and continuing and growing from each other in this episode we see this building the northern air temple is being repurposed it's being reborn as something new and there's a lot of anger from what it uh, from ang around what it used to be but by the end of the episode what we see is ang realizing that this rebirth of this building is giving these people these refugees a new home Right, and so I think that in and of itself is pretty sacred, even though it's not the original sacredness of being a temple. All right, and so let's let's get into our next segment, right? So we're gonna ask really what I want us to do here um, is just let's ask questions that kind of came up along the way, and we can give context to of what happens in the episode. But this kind of gets into my very first question that I wrote down, which is. We hear at a, at a moment where Aang is upset about what's going on and at a moment where um, Tao's father says, I was inspired by all of these paintings and all of these pictures to create a life that was similar to that for my son. At what point is it paying homage to copy things and at what point is it appropriation to copy things? To find what's being copied in this situation. Well, and so, like, he talks about specifically a lot getting his place to, to where his son could fly and creating gliders and things like that. And he was inspired by all the air that was moved. And so this was a little bit of taking out of the episode, but of saying, like, when we sit there and say on in, in real life, in non-Avatar lore, and we say, oh, I'm paying homage to this. Like, I saw this thing, and I'm, I'm paying homage by doing this thing. Um... I'm honoring it versus are you is that what you're doing here because like Aang sitting there and going like my this is not the way that my place was 
Like, are you honoring the things that we were doing in our pictures by doing this? So I think there's a lot of different ways you could go about thinking about this. Sure. Because in, in, if you think of this building is literally not useful. Like, it is rendered useless by the fact that there are no more monks that can utilize this building for its original purpose. Right. They right? don't exist anymore. And so if you are so focused on needing this to fulfill its um, homage to the past, then keeping it updated, keeping it as a, like, what do you do? Do you just update it and renovate it and keep it as is? Or is this a situation in which these people who need a space to live, need protection from the Fire Nation, need a roof over their head, yeah, and they're repurposing it. And so, yes, they're going to pay homage by, if you want to call it that, by uh, looking at the murals on the wall, looking at the things that they see. But frankly, this is 100 years in the future, and they don't have history books. Right. So frankly, they're just sitting there being like, oh, this is a cool picture. Maybe I could help do that. And so I think there's a lot of it depends on context of what you have, who is being hurt by what you're doing. Are there people that are being hurt by what you're doing? There's just a lot of, a lot of food for thought there. Yeah, because one of the most examples I think about in my life in this is we, uh, there's a program that works with kids and parents. Um, it was all built around. Uh, they used to call it Indian guides. Um, and some people who have been in that for a long time have said like, oh, we are honoring Native American culture by doing yep. these things. Um, and truly believe that they are honoring Native American culture by having adopted it. And then there are people that very much disagree uh, sure. that that's what's going on. So well, I, and, you know, and like, is it in fr is this a bastardization of what? was the original intent of the original it's um what's the word i'm looking for frankly a perverted version of what it is in its original content right right in this case i don't know that it is right oh, i yeah i i don't think it is right right and nor nor do i but in, in the moment ang doesn't isn't really bought into like this is maintaining what this building should have been well and one of the quotes that i've really enjoyed uh talking about recently is people are hard to hate close up right, right? and so from farther away ang is like no these people have no spirit they they may be gliding but they're not flying right by the end of the episode he they're working hand in hand they're together. working hand again together they're uh he even says to these people that like oh you do have a lot of spirit by the end of it right he sees that people are taking something that was once his and doing something different and being perceived as what he is, an airbender and a monk. And he's against it. As soon as he realizes the intent, as soon as he realizes what they're going through, as soon as he gets closer, that changes. Yeah, you get to know someone, you get to spend time with them, you ask questions like, tell me more or help me understand you're more likely to have a deeper understanding of what that person is and going through. Yep. Well, which even that happens, right? So uh, Tal's father, what's what's his name? I can't. I you know, I don't I wrote same thing, dad. Dad. That's all I wrote him down as was dad. But he even talks about cuz at this moment 
when Aang is so angry, he talks about creating a new life, building a life for Tao, doing all these things to making sure that um, they could survive. And that, in turn, brings Aang a little bit more into the fold. And you can see that he starts to kind of get a little bit more on board with things. But he's still upset that the world he knows is, is gone. And so is he more mad about that than he is that the temple's been repurposed? Well, and, like, I this brought up one of my questions so through rebirth is there a loss sure right i think i think absolutely right that's part of sometimes you have to leave things behind in in that process yeah and so i think that some people are afraid of letting things go right yeah i think ang is attached because he is like as we know every time he goes to a new air temple he is hoping like he he may start to be believing that it's true but he's still hoping that there are going to be air nomads that are there that are, like didn't end up perishing in the frankly genocide that occurred right right he's still holding out hope and waiting for it and he heard this story at the beginning of the episode and then he finds out once more that he in like oh my god they're flying and then again that hope is like rendered gone and so uh, i can see why he's a little bit devastated right and why he lashes out and why he gets mad at the fact that they're doing something that is different than what once was. Right. Well, and I, how does this play into our real world, right? Like, we have to hold on to these things because that's what made us strong. And if we let it go and adopt something else, could we be even stronger? Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, from, from my standpoint, is energy, right? Sure. We've got all like, we got to let go of some things that have worked for us in the past that aren't working anymore, and adopt potentially new technology or new. Well, and I think it's interesting. Um, uh, one of the other podcasts I listened to, uh, plug out for Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, um, but they talk about the definition of sacred, right? And Aang talks about how you're you're destroying something sacred. Mm-hmm. But uh, Harvard Divinity School has like thrown out this idea, and I think this is more than just Harvard, but this is where these two hosts are from. And so essentially the idea and concept that something is sacred if it produces further thought other than its original conception, right? And so if you read um, a book and it gives you inspiration to do something else, then it's considered sacred, right? And I think that that's exactly what is happening here. This building is still sacred. It is giving them the inspiration and the purpose to turn, to, to create and to do more and to be inspired. And so I think that it just depends on your perception of what sacred is. Right. It depends on your perception of what, like, is it intended to hold onto the past or is it intended to be used? Is it for utility's sake, right? Because I could be really mad if I lost my house, but the in, the purpose of the house being there is to is for it to support someone, not necessarily to support me. Right. Right. It's it's intended purpose is to shelter someone. If I'm not in it, I'm not going to be mad that somebody redecorated the inside. Right. Would you would be mad if it was taken away from you to for someone else? That's true. Right? Yeah. So, just from a different perspective side, if you were forced out of your house yep. and someone else went into it and then redecorated, 
that you might be a little salty about that. Sure. <laughs> so well, and that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, Aang's, that's how Aang's, Aang's feels, house, right? right? In a way. And but the the problem is, it's a hundred years later. Right. It's a hundred years later, and that's just like. It's really hard to to grapple with like who's supposed to be the bigger person here, <laughs> and and when it like does Aang be like oh it's been a hundred years I understand or is it like oh, this is this is Aang's rightful like inheritance this temple right. right and so is it one of those things where like oh we need to be the bigger people as a collective unit and this is his yeah what's the right answer I don't know I don't know either. Purely from a the greater good perspective, it seems like a group of refugees who need this space to survive seems like they are, quote, the greater good and have greater need than Aang does in this moment. Sure. But I don't know if that makes it right or not. I, I The way that we're putting in that, I think of it as America, right? Sure. So... For the greater good of current Americans, does it make more sense for land that was initially not ours? Well, you can't say that, well, like, I think I disagree with that statement. It's the greater good for current Americans. The greater good is the greater good for people, right? right? And so what is the greater good for everyone? And I think that's what is the difference between, like, the greater good for everyone in this situation is for the refugees to be in this spot versus the greater good for the people who are in this space now right is different is very different yeah yeah oof so to play even devil's advocate into that you're in a home your home the greater good for would be for you to house people house people yeah i'm housing you just me there's more than just me you know sure and again i like this home i don't want to leave it (laughs) like but i think that it's i'm i think i'm what i'm trying to highlight is there's not a it's tough it's not an easy yeah like even for the greater good like and then is it right there there's more questions we might be getting into a a, a, into the weeds on on deeper things that aren't the show at this point right well and let's bring it back for a second so like uh dad goes in and he says we're just trying to improve upon what was already here and again in his eyes he is making improvements for sure but in ang's eyes it's not and so we have to just strongly consider anytime we're in a scenario like this of who is this impacting right and then is that okay that it's impacting them in this way right i mean and, and the philosophical debates on that are endless right yeah utilitarianism absolutely. is just one form of ethical thought the the thought of what is best for the greater good is best is just one ethical yep. theory um and so it really because you know if if one house could house 20 people or it could house one person and that one person is going to do what's best for 40 people i don't know we're talking hypotheticals and everything else so it's just an interesting thought but this does bring up kind of to my point when you talk about creating a better environment is we find out that dad is to to live in this environment to survive had to sell his soul yes he is creating weapons for the fire nation and he is he says it i i did this for tau right like i did this for his safety um 
And at what point is the greater good outweigh the the good of one? Yeah. Well, and I think what happens, and we see a turning point in this, is we see that shift happen, right? Right. Because Aang is able to step in and then give them the one motivation to, frankly, the power to be able to make that choice. Because they were being, it was like this was a power dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. And so he was forced into making this choice for his whole like group of people, his like, village, for lack of a better word, uh, tribe, tribe, village, whatever it is. And he was trying. He had to make one. De he had to make the decision for his whole group, mm -hmm. right? And they were either going to take out his whole group, or they were going to give him this option if he continued to work for them. And frankly, if like when you're put in that kind of situation, like I don't blame him. No, I don't blame. Like I, I can be very empathetic to that decision. Yeah. And at what point does creating a new life, this moment of rebirth for your family, at the expense of others? Because how many people is he harming? Sure. Outside of his tribe. Yep. That are earthbenders. Yep. Waterbenders. You know, the water tribe, the... Probably a lot. Kingdom. So he, he's saving the lives of 20 people, 30 people, however many people are. But has he cost the lives of 2,000 people mm -hmm. by creating this weapon? So at what, at what point is it, nope, that's the wrong decision? At what point do you sacrifice yourself because you know it's... Because you're one life versus... 6,000. I think that everybody has to make the decision on their own. And I think that that's not something we can be like, and here's your answer. Yeah, for sure. So, But that's what he's living into right now. This moment of rebirth for him could potentially be costing the lives of thousands others that won't have a chance well, to be reborn. Well, I think he joins the fight against the Fire Nation at the end. And I think that... It is, yes. So I think what this is, it's a, it's a rebirth of his integrity. In this moment, yes, but he's doing this to create a new life or almost a rebirth for a new chance for his son. Yes. So initially, he chooses the the first rebirth for his his tribe and son by jeopardizing the oh. lives of others. Sure. In this episode, he does have his own then again rebirth into a new mindset mm -hmm. of saying, no, we're going to fight against these people. Yep. But that doesn't negate the fact that he potentially was the reason for the death of 6,000, 10,000, arbitrary number of lives. And then the question comes up, sure, he created the tools, but he didn't use the tools, so is he actually at fault for it? Let's be real. The Fire Nation's at fault here. Yes, right. Like, and maybe not the, and again, not the entire nation. He just nation. enabled them. It's not the entire nation. We don't want to put the entire nation at the fault of the power hungry few that are at the top but it's something worth considering i i think personally i think you can't negate the fact that he has enabled the fire nation to harm other people yeah i mean sure and i think that again understanding the fact that like in any court of law he would not be penalized or punished right like not an american court of law no 
I just well, it's just one of those things where like he no, and again, in the United States, especially, I guess, it, like you are not going to be penalized when you are put in harm's way, and it's your life over the over making that choice. Right. Right. No one's going to be put in harm's way and put into a penitentiary because of that decision. Now, whether it's right or not is worth debating, I guess. But in general, I think that like you can't do that. Yeah. It's not an easy situation. Like, I'm happy I didn't have to make that decision. Because I don't know if I would have made... What decision I would have made in that. But, yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's definitely tough. Um, So, yeah, that was one of the other questions that kind of popped up for me. What about for you? What was another big moment for you? Um, One of the things that came up, I think is the quote at the end it's it's like a hermit crab shell and it's an empty shell that someone made it into its home it's not something they were born into it's something that they found and made their home mm-hmm. and i think that this concept of like the hermit crab as it gets bigger as it grows as as it adapts it has to find a new shelter and a new home right and i think that that's something that we're seeing here and it's a very apt description of what's happening it was an empty shell of a temple right and these people found it right and then without any without anything other than the fact that they had these murals and these things that were resources at this temple they were able to create through science this community around what once it what what is similar to airbending and so they're able to uh thrive uh, communicate uh eat live and be in this new home and i think that's really interesting that they get a chance to be in this situation and feel that sense of community through the rebirth of a building yeah i mean the the fact that it was repurposed in the way that they did it and the way they were inspired by the past um allowed them to find new solutions to things new yep ways to live and so what's the what's the takeaway moment from that what's the what's the lesson in that is the you know as a listener how do you translate that into your daily life i think there's a lot to take in right (laughs) i mean it's up to you frankly to to take that how you will like you can take any proverb and be like oh i learned this and then you ask 20 other people and they're going to learn something else right here we go maybe it should be a proverb yeah. So I just, for me, it was one of those things where I was I was a little bit on any side when it first happened, when everything kind of first goes down, especially when he, you see this statue of one of the monks just get obliterated. Yep. Um, and then guy kind of says, like, we needed a bathhouse. The bathhouse is more useful to us than the statue. We were starting to smell. Um, and so there is this weird balance of like history, like remembering history, having it be there as a reminder, and what purpose does it serve? I mean, I'm on this, I'm on their side in this situation, not for selling things to the Fire Nation. But I think that this is a building that is no longer of use, and thank goodness that there are people who found a safe place. Yeah absolutely like who can't get behind that right like yeah and they made it a home and they 
taught themselves how to fly. And... Yeah, and I mean, and I'm not saying that I think that Aang shouldn't like shouldn't be mad, but I do think that as we see throughout this episode, Aang starts to see more and more that this makes sense. Mm -hmm. One of the things that was interesting to me is, and I think that we see mirrored in our own world, is this sense of when the Fire Nation attacks the temple at the end of the episode, they start using equipment that they had developed yep. on the inventors, right? The Fire Nation is coming back with weapons that were given to them yep. by Dad. Yep, these tanks and... And, and... and attacking them. And so I feel like we see that for us and that fear of like, oh, uh, what if you create this, it, you know, it can also be used for bad, right? Like cell phones. This technology that is now making us dumber and fatter, like... Um, so how, do, how does that really play for us? And this, I don't know if this really plays into a lens of rebirth, but these things that were born out of, you know, this nature to do something, and now they're being turned against you, and the fear that kind of comes up with that. I don't know if there's a question in there somewhere scattered, but it was an interesting thought that kind of paralleled. I mean, ultimately, there are tools that can be used for good and for evil depending on how they're being used and who's using them and so i think you can look at you know the if you look at aladdin for instance aladdin uses the genie for you know to get the girl and to fall in love and to you know find you know his purpose right whereas jafar uses the genie to take over the world and so i think that in general like we it, the genie is a tool in this situation right and so you can't call Robin Williams a tool, man. Robin Williams, is, <laughs> man, what a joy of a person that he. Oh God, rest in peace. Um, you but all he, made me lose my train of thought. He was, yeah, the genie, the lamp was a tool. Yes, which housed the genie. Yes, continue. It was an empty shell. Moral <laughs> of the story is when you like people, people, and how they choose to use those things makes the difference right absolutely and so if, if for in this situation like that the each time somebody new came across the lamp it was a new um it was a rebirth based off the intentions of the person who now possessed it right right and so i mean for the life of a tool for the life of these inanimate objects for the life of a building it's based off who's in it who's using it for the terms of our personal rebirths, I think just in general, if we're going to take a little left turn here, I think that people go through death and rebirth pretty frequently throughout our uh, existence. Um, and I think we see We're that. not talking about in a reincarnation. No, no, no. Not like the Avatar and like you're, you literally die. But I think in ourselves, we experience grief and loss. And then be through that grief and loss there is something new that emerges mm -hmm. right with every uh door that closes and op a window opens blah 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 well, that end kind of, of relationships deal. death of family members yeah. uh death of careers and i think uh, that goes back to the original quote around this phoenix like it, it's not just it has to burn to emerge i like this idea and this concept of burning not because something that like, literally the phoenix dies but in, in general you have to there has to be like a crucible of hardship for us to grow in a lot of ways because we, you don't really grow unless you're experiencing discomfort, unless you're something, we don't grow unless some, we let something else go. 
most of the time. Well, and just the creation of fire in majority of the things that we use, whether it's a fire pit or a gas stove, you are destroying something. Yes. To create something else. Flame. Yes. Which is normally being used to create something else, right? So yep. log is burning, the tree is dying. It is giving energy and fuel to fire, it's which the is circle of life. cooking your food, which allows you to live, right? Yeah. So um, there is this constant, specifically with burning, there's this constant flow of you have to destroy things to create. Yeah. And so, yeah, that Phoenix analogy plays pretty well into that. Right? Um, I mean, in it happens throughout this whole episode in so many different ways. Do you see that as a excuse people can use in the way they treat people no pain no gain yeah but i'm talking about i'm gonna you know i'm gonna for for me to excel in this career i'm going to take down the other person who is vying for this job that might be a terrible anecdote right but like for me to make my move forward in this career i need to make this other person look bad um, and because I'm going to be better at this job, uh, the ends justify the means. Do you see that as a... Yeah, I don't know if I'm following you. Fair enough. I don't know if I'm following myself at this point. But I think you... Do you see people who destroy things or say that this needs to be done this specific way for the betterment? Uh, gentrification of cities, right? Sure. Like, we're going to knock down all these buildings. We're going to build brand new ones. We're going to up the cri uh, increase of of cost of living and yep. we're going to bring all these new people in. It's going to be fantastic for the city, but it's at the expense of sure. All of these individuals in there. Yeah. Um, is, again, is it worth it? Is that, I mean, so here's the deal with that. I think that's a very specific, <laughs> uh, example. Yeah. But... I, that was just me trying to make the point of we do, we do that to, we destroy quote unquote people or you have to burn away the you know what is taking us down if right. you will and i think that that's just so hard because frankly the intention around that may be totally in um it might be a really great intention i want this city to be great and i want people who live in it to feel great and i want to attract new people to the city uh but we cannot I think we fail to realize that there is human need in what the system has done. And so we might be making choices for that will make the benefit, but we don't realize that there are things that are outside of our control that are bringing other people down. And so we have to, one, make an effort to make things better and help things grow and, you know, make things, we have to, we have to build new buildings and invite new people in. And we need to make sure that we are thinking about how the system and how the things that are greater than us and the things that are greater than the decisions we can make alone are affecting people as well. Right. And I think you have to have both in mind when you're making decisions like that. Yeah, I think that is the step. You have to keep the people or the other people affected in the thought process of saying, all right, we're going to make the city better. This is one way to do that. Is there a better way to do that that involves or doesn't ostracize or push out this group of people? Um, 
that was just with the but you know as the phoenix reborn analogy was going that was something that just kind of pinpointed in my mind anything else question wise that kind of popped up for you in this episode i think i'm curious i struggle with seeing this but i'm interested just to see if for you like so Sokka emerged as um he's becoming more and more seen as this guy who has he's very intelligent and yeah uh in the beginning of the series he was kind of dumb and and based off what we saw in his interactions with people and dumb as in like bigoted um toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and uh etc but now we're starting to see a different side of him um around just like he has brilliant ideas and he really meshes well with this 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 science guy <laughs> yeah uh, and like these things are happening with him and i'm like where did you see rebirth in this or did you or i don't thoughts? know if, i don't know if it was in this episode but i wonder if it points to the fact that he's traveling the world he's gaining experiences from different people in different societies he's been hanging out with with ang who is probably a, a relatively good example of good influence a good influence on that um but i think you're starting to see like if you put people in specific situations that are different than what they've always grown up in um is is that it I, he grew up in a, in a world of war and combat and i wonder if that wasn't his strong suit and that was when we he was always kind of told you got to be the leader and protect these people and keep them safe and he does that in this episode but it was more from a side of stem work yeah it was war um and so i wonder if that would that just naturally played to his strengths better of and his thinking and did was a good teacher was dad helping elevate that for him i think what we're seeing now that you kind of highlight that is just a very gradual like progression progression of Sokka, and i think that's a a a rebirth in a way in that he is uh his prior things that were really holding him back his toxic masculinity um his bigoted behavior all of those things are slowly being let go Mm mm-hmm and he is slowly gaining, and we're starting able to see the uh, this other side of him that is emerging uh, from the ashes, if you will, right? Of the burning of those other things that are that are dying. And right. so I think what we're seeing in Sokka is this gradual rebirth that is turning him into someone who is truly integral to this party. They, without him and his idea of dumping the engine into the gas leak, yep. they'd all be gone. Yeah. They would have likely not escaped. Yep. So, arguably, you could say that he saved the world because if he didn't do this, would Aang have been able to do what he does in future episodes? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe Aang would have escaped. Maybe not. Maybe not. And then then the Avatar would have just, you know, gone to someone else, but... And what would have happened if Aang died before Korra was born, right? So, well, I mean, this would have been a different waterbender, right? It would have been a waterbender, but yeah, eighty years, ninety years would have been a different waterbender, and it. I'm. I still believe that what happens in Korra would have still happened in terms of air nomads being created. So, spoiler alert. 
Yeah, we'll we'll talk Cora seasons, you know, four, five, and six of bending, not breaking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I just, um, you're proud of Sokka, right? Over the the what he's done and what he's accomplished in these episodes. One of the things I've I've noticed is that we've listened as I've listened back to all of our previous episodes as they've aired on the TV arc is. That we are, we give more grace to Sokka than I think we do to other characters or have. So like we, um, recently, especially like the Jet episode and episodes where Katara gives Sokka a really hard time, we are very quick to jump on Katara and be like, mm, nope. And there are moments where Sokka's messed up where we give grace, give empathy, hold it, say he's not. R- Right, but I, that's just one of the things I've noticed with our conversations is that we tend to give Sokka a little bit more grace um, than other characters, specifically Katara. Um, Why do you think that is? Probably inherent bias of male culture and maybe the way that it's written, but maybe the way that we perceive it. But for her, she wasn't in this episode a whole lot. She goes flying. She goes flying, Blinding. and then she and then. She helps a lot with the... I mean, not a lot with the tanks that were coming up, but ultimately did nothing there. But she's not really prevalent in this episode very much. Yeah, this episode would probably not pass uh, the... Uh, what's the test? Um, not a lot of women in this episode. I don't know if the show would pass the test a lot. <laughs> um, the, specifically, why can't I think of the name? But it's the... Two women having a conversation with each other that not is about. not about boys. Yep. I don't think there's an episode in the show. Katara and Toph probably have at least one or two. Probably. Um, but that's probably it. The Wars of Kyoshi episode, there might be a moment there. But even the fortune teller. When, yeah, it's when all about it's boys. It's all about boys. Moral story is women mm-hmm. underrepresented once again oh for sure i mean again a majority male riding team if not all male mm-hmm. um in 2005 and so yep just the things to take note of all right into kind of our next segment what who which character shows up really well in this episode um which character is one that you're almost impressed with or surprised by throughout the course of this episode and we might have already touched on this character, but was there a character that really... Well, I think Teo, for me, is the the character that like stands out as a truly humble. Um, Almost in all senses of the word, is he really that person? Um, limitations, but like fights hard to surpass any limitations that might be yeah. there. Cares about people. Um willing to hold his dad accountable in conversation when he finds yeah. out about what his dad's been doing. Yeah, I just in just in general like the the tracking him and watching him as like as Aang comes in and he realizes that Aang is the avatar. He's like, "Oh, wow, that's he's so impressed." Right. Uh, yeah. He's not at all like it's not a competition. Yeah. It kind of is, right? Aang he goes some... into it like, "I'm going to show off and tell you should ever." And he's like, cool wow and then some of the other gliders say like show that bald kid who's boss or like so there was but it didn't seem like tau felt that way teo 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 felt that way throughout the course of the episode 
Yeah, I was just I was very impressed with him, and I like I don't know that he fits into the rebirth scenario other than the fact that like I imagine flying and gliding for him every time is him feeling as though he's able to let go of the loss of his legs and i think that that in and of itself is a huge i bet when that originally happened like it was a massive moment of rebirth. moment of rebirth for absolutely him. well and the whole thing that he was really the catalyst for his dad's decision making and stuff like that great he does not make his dad's decisions but yeah dad even said i did it for you i did it for Teo, right um so yeah that's interesting any characters that uh maybe need a little bit more support uh and and living into their values was there a, a character this episode that struggled living into the values or, or tenets of i'm gonna say ang on that one yeah for sure um i think that ang granted he is a what 11 10 11 year old boy um and he is already more mature than i am but but like frankly in this situation i think that what is dominating his brain and his decisions are his attachment to the emotions and the things that are coming up over the loss of the air nomads and the loss of this temple and the loss of these uh of what could have been and i think that it's his emotions driving a decision which i don't think is all like is necessarily a bad thing but i think when we let our emotions hijack our decision making um we're not acting within our values i think it's what you're saying there is important it's it's not that you're not having emotions right because how, how many how often are we taught that you have to make logical sound decisions you have to take emotions completely out yeah and that's that's and that's ridiculous. not what it is yeah. but it is understanding your emotions why you're having them yeah and acting accordingly well and i think emotions are our body's response to experience and so not considering the emotions we feel in rational logical decision making is frankly illogical because it is our it is our body telling us something it is our body giving us a physiological response that is what emotions are you feel fear because of potential safety to yourself Correct. right so like if you don't use that in your decision making process you could get you, you get yourself hurt yeah absolutely you absolutely have to consider your emotions but the words you use of hijacking right like a, a child who hits another child because they were called a mean name is a small instance of emotional hijacking i'm making this decision because i'm mad and because of my anger this is the thought that like of how i'm going to respond well and their brains haven't developed enough to finish like the logical thought around like okay i'm mad okay there's a better way to handle it than me punching this kid right right oh i could handle this by doing all of these other things as well what's the best way to handle it and still feel mad about it but I'm going to handle it in a way that's not going to create more anger. Oh, we've got to teach people to do that. Correct. Right? Like, like, that's, that not child, a, that's not a yeah. one. There's 18-year-olds. There's 30-year-olds. that There's 60-year-olds that have the, that same response. I'm angry. Well, I'm going to do something violent, right? Um, and so what you know what we're saying for this instance, and Aang didn't let... He threw the trebuchet or the, yeah. the wrecking ball off the side of a mountain out of anger. Yeah, out of sheer anger, 
And so how do you not let that hijacking happen? And the way you do that is by having an awareness of why you're feeling what you're feeling and asking well, And this goes back question. to this, our, our theory around the avatar state, right? I Like we've talked about this before where we, I believe the avatar state is when it is out of balance and when it is at risk of hurting people, it's because we have an emotional hijacking, right? Ang is emotionally, emotionally distressed doesn't have an awareness of his emotions and it causes such a power that it creates the avatar state versus a I'm going to use these emotions and this power and learn how to harness it to create an avatar state that's successful correct you know there's a difference in the avatar state when he hurts Katara uh, the first time he realizes that Monkey Yatsu has passed yep versus what may happen three episodes from now which is huh when he gains an understanding of this can be an avatar state that is still destructive but, but in, in, a, in a controlled and harnessed way yes so how do you use your emotions to be harnessed how do you use anger to sit there and say i'm gonna let this anger fuel me yeah to do what's right yep whatever that might be absolutely so Teo is our favorite character or at least the one we feel like is standout standout character Aang was the one that we wish maybe had lived into his values a little bit differently yeah I'm gonna say that I feel okay with that anything else that you want to cover from this episode before we move on to kind of our ending I feel like we hit all the important points. If you feel like we didn't, I'd love to hear it. Please let us know at the V on Instagram or Twitter or the email. Or yeah, the at gmail dot com is a great place for you to to submit your feedback to us. Um, and we've gotten a few, and so that's always we like hearing feedback. And you can do it in the form of a voice memo if you'd like, and we might get you to feature on a podcast uh, episode in the future. Absolutely. Alright, well, we will be right back where we talk about um, how we use rebirth out of the element of water. That's right. In just a moment. Welcome back. We are talking about rebirth through the elements of water. Ben, give me give me a reminder of the, the the attributes of water when we think of it on a on an elemental level. Sure. And, and what that plays into. Yeah, water the way is we is very fluid. It uh, is able to get through pretty much anything. It's a universal solvent. It's neutral, uh, and on a pH level, it's. Um, one of the cool things about water is that it can be water in multiple states. It goes, it has its air, it has uh, steam, it has uh, liquid, it has a solid. Um, it is very flexible and it can um, adapt to pretty much any situation. Um, it, again, is able to dilute poisons and toxins and it's also the problem with that is sometimes it absorbs those toxins and that's kind of a negative tendency of water and so there's there's a lot to to think about in terms of the metaphors around water but uh tell me for you how does this kind of apply to rebirth for you 
When I think about rebirth, I honestly I think about create that that creation of something new or something stronger by, um, by kind of the things away falling at the side, um, the power that can kind of come from transforming into something new. I thought of water, uh, boiling water. There's a there's a story out there that talks about. Um, when you boil, the, the, the degrees that it takes to boil water is 212 degrees. But if you are just at 211 degrees, it does nothing. Um, it's just really hot water. But when it boils and changes and, and turns into steam, steam is something that can be used to power a train. And, the, and that kind of rebirth of energy that kind of comes with that. And so by putting in one degree extra into specific things in my life can i take something and create something brand new with it can i put in a renewed energy try one degree more one percent more and have it be that much better going forward and then do i lose the parts of me that should be left behind uh in the process so i can grow and become stronger in those ways and so is that one for me is it you know one percent better one degree better in the way that i meditate in the morning and, and think about what I'm doing in life is it one percent better one degree better in the way that I um, take care of myself physically the the food that I eat um, is, is it one degree better in the time that I spend with others and the quality time that I spend with others so I think for me that's how I would like to continue to better myself re kind of continue to get stronger and yeah. better in that way absolutely yeah I also thought of a story. Uh, one of the story that I thought of um, is kind of how water affects things. And so there's two sides to it. Um, uh, so if you are boiling water, right, you, what you do is if you put a, a, an egg, it goes from soft, liquid, eggy grossness to a hard-boiled egg. Um, and then what you do is if you put a carrot in boiling water, it goes from really, really hard to really, really soft. And so if you just look at those two, what you see is that if I am the water in this situation and I am at this point, I might make some people harder and I make some people softer through my actions. And so that is potentially a good thing and potentially a bad thing. Yeah. And so I just need to be aware of how I'm affecting others. And then the other side of that is in those both of those situations, what happens is that's how the water is affecting the things that are in the water. Whereas if you put coffee in water or tea in hot water, what happens is it changes the water itself and the water becomes something new. And so for me, like, I think I need to analyze how, how are my actions and my words and the things that I am putting out into the world changing others and helping others become reborn as something new and is it in the image that they want to be born into and then how are people affecting me and helping me to renew and rebirth throughout my experience as well and so i'm just tossing all of that around and thinking about how how do i become more aware of how i'm affecting other people and how other people are affecting me Absolutely. As a listener, what are y'all going to do? What are you going to do this week to really focus on that that thought of rebirth and turning into something new? Um, let us know at thearcofee at gmail.com. Tweet at us. 
Give us a voice memo. What does this show mean to you, Avatar? Probably not bending, not breaking. That probably hasn't meant that much to you. But if it has, let, let us, us know. know. Yeah, share that with us. We would love to hear that. Um, but ultimately, we've got three episodes left of season one. Book one. The, you know, water book. The book of water. Water book? Water book. I like that better. It's just funnier. The water book? Water book. It's the water book. It's the water scroll. Why didn't they call it that? Um, anyway. Book one, water. But three more episodes left. Next episode, we are looking at it through a lens of what, Ben? Uh, through a lens of bending. Bending. That's right. Ben picked a lens of bending. Ben likes to bend. Yep. Okay, great. Once again, I am Sunshine Mayfield. This is Ben Pruitt. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Goodbye.